Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Thanksgiving Eve Eve. Dan Grosser Show. We roll till 10 o'clock tonight. Then it's Rangers, Kings, Hockey right here on 98.7. All Jets in hour number one. As you would expect, who's the quarterback going to be? We'll find out certainly tomorrow morning. But we know the Giant quarterback is going to be on Thursday. Who else is going to be playing alongside him? Well, that's a different story altogether. But they're trying to get back in the win column, and it don't get any easier. Going down to Big D to take on the Cowboys, who I would say look pretty darn good in thrashing the Minnesota Vikings last Sunday. But one guy who's going to be down there having Thanksgiving at Jerry World is our good pal. Of course, does an outstanding job covering the Giants for us here at ESPN. It is Jordan Renan. Jordan, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Happy early Thanksgiving, Dan. Same to you. Happy Thanksgiving Eve Eve, which is always a good thing. Um, I, first off, are you, do you have any snaps left in you? You think if they need you to play on Thursday, you could go down there and give them a few snaps? Because they might have to. Yeah, I mean, maybe kicker. Maybe, I mean, although Graham Gano seems to be healthy this week. I mean, he was a little under the weather the other day. I thought about it. But, you know, that's that's. I think that's all I got in me. Too old for anything else. Watch your plant foot, by the way, because you know how that turf could be with the yeah. plant foot now. Maybe I can catch punts. I mean, the Giants aren't exactly great at catching punts these days. Maybe I can call for a fair catch and try and catch it. Probably still no, but yeah. Well, maybe. Hopefully, you suffer a better fate than Adoree Jackson did. How, how, well, first of all, let's start there because the Adoree Jackson yeah. injury—it stinks anytime you lose a player. It stinks when you lose one of your starting corners, but he doesn't returning punts. And then a lot of people question, well, why do you have one of your starting quarters returning punts? But hey, Brian Dayball—he spent some time at the Bill Belichick school. Bill Belichick has his starters on special teams like all the time. He don't care. Maybe Dayball take the same yeah. approach. Yeah, I mean, you listen to Brian Dable's uh, response to a lot of these things. He said, you know, hey, it's football. You know, that, that's that's a, that's a common, uh, you know, line right there is when you talk about injuries, you know, we're not going to be scared to put guys out there. And you saw that now. Uh, this is the first guess. I will tell you I didn't really like the move, and not necessarily because I'm against putting starters out there, but I just thought in this case the risk wasn't worth the reward. Like, a Dory Jackson isn't this great punt returner. Like right. I, I was, I was. It's not Deion Sanders. A lot of things about practice. It, Dan, how about the opposite? Like I was worried watching practice and warmups if he's even going to catch the oh, ball. God. So like, really, so like really, what is what's the benefit here? Like, what's the reward? And then the risk. We obviously saw what the risk is because now he hurts his knee. They don't. He's out probably like around a month. They don't have another top cornerback. They lost their number two cornerback while they were at it too the other day. So now the Giants are in big trouble, and, and uh, really, you can say that about a bunch of positions now. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, you know, you think about it because you're going to play a stretch of teams now that have some pretty top wide receivers. We know that. And the other thing, yep. too, is not just the Dory Jackson. You lose Fabian Moreau, who has obviously become an important player for you. And you know this. 
Wink Martindale, he loves to play a ton of man. So if you're asking your corners to play man and you're going to be literally playing guys off the street, Jordan, how are they going to be able to keep this up? Yeah, I mean, you saw the effects of that right the other day. I mean, uh, really, the Lions had a lot of success offensively, and that was we said this is this was the highest ranked passing attack, one of the better offenses the Giants have faced this year, and we kind of saw what happened there. And, and Wink Martindale, for as great as he is, and he's made it work this year, and it was really what's not a loaded defense. Last year when he was in Baltimore, it was a mess, right? And they they were letting up big plays left and right, and when he was asked about it earlier this year, said, hey, what went wrong last year in Baltimore when you look back on it? Like, what did you see? And he says he learned uh, you don't want to get cornerbacks uh, off DoorDash. So, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> now they're sitting there and they're approaching almost that same spot, right? I mean, the, uh, you're going to be looking out on the field against the Cowboys and it's going to be Nick McLeod, Rodarius Williams, and uh, Cordell Flott. I know Flott's a third-round pick. But still, I mean, that's not ideal for the Giants, especially, like you said, C.D. Lamb this week, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and then Terry McLaurin again. Uh, you know, that's, that's not that's – not so and then, by the way, Justin Jefferson later on in the mm. season. And, and, and A.J. Brown again. So, yeah, good luck. It's, it's going to be it, – this is, this is going to be quite the challenge. It'll be interesting to see if he – pulls back a little bit from the, you know, blitz all the time, especially against the Dallas team and Dak Prescott. His numbers are among the best in the league against the blitz. How about the wide receiver depth? That's another area. I mean, like I said, we could spend this whole interview talking about the injuries and what the guys dropping. Well, like, I mean, I mean it's like, Wondell Robinson, you feel bad because, okay, he's battled injuries this year, has a good game on Sunday, and then he gets injured essentially uh-huh. when the game is over already in the fourth quarter on an out-of-bounds play, for crying out loud, as he's going to the ground. Richie James mm-hmm. gets injured. I, I mean, hey, at least Kenny Galladay caught a pass, though, Jordan. That's something. I mean, is that what is that what we're celebrating that's these it, days? I guess it. so. I guess so. That really states where we're at on the wide receiver core. If that's what we're celebrating these days, Kenny Galladay, you know, catching his fourth pass of the year for his 55 total yards. I mean, let's uh, let's celebrate. I mean, that's where we're at with the wide receivers for the Giants. I guess, man, it's rough. Uh, they've already started. I was thinking about it. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, who was claimed off waivers earlier this year. They started Marcus Johnson at times this year. They started David Sills at times this year. I mean, think about that for a second, Dan. I mean, that is about as rough as you can get. And, and then if you think back, and this is sort of like, okay, the evaluation of Daniel Jones, you're like, okay, what is he? And you think, well, what top receivers has – who are the best receivers that Daniel Jones – where's his number one receiver been, he's been here? He had Golden Tate. You know, Sterling Shepard, who's a good player, but he, he's certainly not a number one receiver, right? Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, like where, what has what Daniel Jones actually played with over a four-year stretch? And this is, by the way, might be the worst it's been right now because oh. they're beat up and where they're at. It's bad. And, I mean, Richie James is back in the mix. I mean, he's going to be the, the Wandale Robinson filling, and if it's not Richie James, it's going to be Khalil Pimpleton. <laughs> You know, a hard knock star from yep. the Lions who's on the practice squad. So, I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, that's what you're going to see on the field on Thursday, and the whole nation's going to be watching the Giants and be like, they're playing Khalil Pimpleton? 
It's unbelievable. Jordan Renan of ESPN covers the Giants, joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. I, I thought on Sunday, it was still in the first half, but I thought the turning point of the game was that Aiden Hutchinson interception when he dropped back into coverage and he picked off Daniel yep. Jones midway through the second quarter because, look, Giants had a lead at that point, but Detroit takes the turnover, goes into the end zone, puts up seven. Their next possession, they put it in the end zone again, and then pretty much it was game, set, match. But I actually thought the Giants were moving the ball pretty good. I thought they had good rhythm the first couple of drives, but then it seemed like that turnover changed everything. Yeah, the ironic part is Daniel Jones actually made some good, good throws throughout that game. Right, they couldn't run the ball, and he, anything they were doing offensively was really through that pass game. But he said it, and Brian Dable said it was just one of those situations where they dropped the linebacker, and Daniel Jones just didn't see him. He flat did not see him, and it was just uh, and and like you said, that that really did that that turned the game there. And it, we hadn't seen the Daniel Jones interception in six games previously, and everyone's blaming me because I pointed that out before the game. The old, you know loser drinks crowd who wants to blame the guy sitting upstairs or somebody sitting on their couch for jinxing someone on a, on a football field that is you know, completely unrelated and nothing to do with it. But, uh, you know, they, that, that was, that was an uncharacteristic mistake from Dan, from what we've seen from Daniel Jones most of this year. And uh, it hurt because this team, we, that, what do we know about the team? Like we're watching and you're enjoying, so, you know, they're doing all of the right things. They're not making the big mistakes. They're not doing the things that, you know, that kill themselves and hurt themselves, especially late in games. And that's kind of what they did in this game, three turnovers. And Brian Dable, I think his number was like, you know, one in 18 teams when they turn it over three times and, and you know, get zero turnovers. I don't know the validity of that stat, but – or if I'm presenting it exactly right, it might be, you know, minus three on the turnovers. But you get the point. When you do that, it's just hard to win. And uh, they had been able to avoid that, and we'll see if this – if they can continue to avoid that because their margin for error is so slim. We know that we've, we've been saying that consistently. And then when you make those mistakes, it's not something that they can overcome. Like the Eagles, they almost beat Washington when they were turning the ball over left and right on that Monday night game. Right. Yep. Cause they're good enough to overcome some errors. They, they didn't play great against Indianapolis. They over, they still were able to win. The giants aren't going to be able to do that. Obviously, when you talk about the offense, too, their bread and butter is the run game. It's Saquon. I was surprised more than anything, Jordan, especially given the way the conditions were on Sunday and the fact that Detroit's run defense is like Swiss cheese. I'm shocked that they couldn't yeah. really get anything going on the ground. As a matter of fact, the most success they had running the football were those design runs for Daniel Jones with the RPOs and stuff. Those were working well, but... Now coming off of this game, you talk about you're all banged up at wide receiver. You're all banged up on the offensive line, which we haven't even gotten to. Yep. How are they going to be able to run the damn ball against the Cowboys? Yeah, it's a big question. Well, fortunately for the Giants, this is, again, not a great run defense. Like If there's a weakness with the Cowboys, what is it, Dan? It's their run defense. But the pass right? rush is pretty damn good, as we saw and reminded well, of last week again. I said to Brian Dable, I said, how important is it for you to run the ball against Dallas team, knowing that that pass rush is that good, he said, you know, that, that it's key for them not to put themselves in straight passing situations, because not just them, but you go watch, go just watch the tape, he said. If, if you're in a situation where they know you're passing, you know, there's just so many negative plays that they produce. Like So, if the Giants get in pass-heavy situations, they are in big trouble, and they know that. So I would expect them to run, 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 Saquon, Saquon, Saquon. That is going to be the game plan in this game. 
for them to stay. And I think it was just one of those games where, and really every team has it, but you just, you're going to have the game where you just play poorly. Like they had a bunch of poor individual efforts. The offensive line didn't play great. There were times where Saquon didn't run great. Like everything kind of went wrong for them all in one game. And uh, it was the first time we've seen it so far this year, which I think is a testament to them. And I think that's what I'm going to chalk up the run game to. I would expect them to be much stronger in the run game. Because even though their offensive line is banged up, right. it's really the composition of the guys that are composed that whole offensive line group, almost all of them to a man are better run blockers than they are pass blockers. Well, tell me about the offensive line, because Feliciano left the game. Tyree Phillips left the game yeah. last week with injuries. Now, Evan Neal, he's missed the last few. Are, are they going to be more cautious and maybe wait another week because of the quick turnaround here? Because let's also not forget, when they played the Cowboys the first time, Demarcus Lawrence beat Evan Neal like a drum. Yeah. That was like his welcome to the NFL yeah. moment. So how the hell is this offensive line going to look on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, it's a good point because there's a good chance that Matt Parrott is starting at right tackle. Uh, Jack Anderson is starting at left guard. Uh, you probably don't even never these heard sound, the name These Jack sound Anderson. like actors in some football <laughs> movie or something. Jack Anderson. Well, What's should, a Jack Anderson? We should, we, should, we should do an exercise. I should make up names right. and you decide yeah. if they're starting at offensive line or not. Exactly. Phil, Phil Lundy. Does, is he an offensive lineman or a lawyer? Phil Lundy, Al Bundy, same sounds the same to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my God! Uh, so yeah, I mean, and and but Nick Gates, I think, is likely going to be starting at center. So you know, Nick Gates, he started games at center. But right. yeah, it's gonna. That's what the Giants are likely going to have as they're starting off at the line. Those three guys. So basically, you're turning over sixty uh, percent of your offensive line in a matter of week. Not not ideal on short rest against the Dallas Cowboys, you know, just said. And Evan Neal, speaking to him today, I just got the feeling that they're probably going to wait one more week, that he's close. But the lack of practice time, uh, the fact maybe that they are playing the Cowboys, and we saw how that went last time, it it just seems like a little bit of a stretch to get him back for this game or really to push it too much. I mean, this is the, the, uh, what was he, the seventh overall pick of the draft, and I'm trying to not get him and Thibodeau confused number five and number seven. That's right. They got paid where they were supposed to based on where they were drafted. So that's all they care about with the slotting system there. And the other difference, of course, looking at this matchup on Thursday compared to the Monday night game earlier this year is that Cooper Rush ain't going to be the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. That certainly is going to make it a lot more difficult. And especially, I think they all know what the Cowboys did this past Sunday to Minnesota on the road, difficult place to play. Yeah, you know what's interesting, though, and, and I think we've kind of reached – I mean, the Giants, nobody's giving them a chance. They're nine-point underdogs, you fan. The amazing part is, you know, the Giants are like, are they going to make the, – the narrative around the Giants today is, are they going to make the playoffs? The narrative around the Dallas Cowboys is, can they win the Super Bowl? Guess what? They're both 7-3 and three entering this game, right? It's, it's amazing that that's kind of what you're thinking about these two teams, and one's nine-point favorite on Thursday over the other one. They are both 7-3 and three so far this season. They are tied going into this game. And I think this is the matter, and I used to always hear Andy Reid say it, and you hear a lot of coaches say it, you know, things are as never as good as they look, and they're never as bad as they look. And I think that's the case here with the, both the Cowboys and the Giants. Everybody's so down on the Giants. Things aren't quite as bad as they, they just played a poor game last week. 
and things aren't quite as good as everybody thinks with the Cowboys. They played their A game, right? That was that might have been their A plus game, right? Right, and the likelihood that they they play that same kind of game and the Giants play the same type of game, I'm not so sure that's that's uh, reality. Probably what's going to happen well, and how it's going to play. Out. And it is a big game, though. I mean, obviously it's a big game, but. You know, you lose this game if you're the Giants. Then you fall into the same trap kind of that the Jets find themselves in with the Patriots, that now that's one team that you don't have a tiebreaker against in your division, possibly competing for a wild card spot down the road. So that's yeah. one byproduct of it. And I, I, I don't know, you tell me, is is, is Odell Beckham going to be sitting in Jerry's box and then he's going to sign with whatever team wins the game on <laughs> Thursday? Is that how this works? It'll be like Susan Waldman saying, Roger Clemens is going to the Yankees. He's coming back to the Yankees. <laughs> I mean, you know what? That's, that was a I'm good Susan, by the way. Thought. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. Uh, uh, you know, that is something that did pop through my head. Like, is Odell Beckham just going to show up and be on the sideline and make this a complete sideshow? I could totally see that being something that he does and something that happens. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, these are the two teams that are in the running for Odell, I listen, everything that I hear makes me think he's going to end up in Dallas. Like Joe Shane has been extremely disciplined so far, especially with all the money, right? It just doesn't seem like something he's going to, you know, sacrifice at this point and make the, you know, go spend money on Odell Beckham Jr. at 30 years old coming off two ACL injuries in the past few years. It just doesn't – something's not really fully adding up to me. Uh, it's, it's, it's way, seems way more likely that the Dallas Cowboys, who we all think – and look, I kind of agree with it. I mean, they're trying to win a Super Bowl here, right? The Giants, they're, they're trying to win while rebuild. And they're, they're in two very different spots. The team that is trying to win now, it makes a hell of a lot more sense to go out and get Odell Beckham Jr. So – I think that's kind of the gist that I've gotten out of that so far. And I, I spoke to a source recently, and he told me he thought that and, – and I trust this person on the subject. He told me that uh, he thought the Cowboys were the favorites for Odell. I kind of lean in the same way myself. But we'll, we'll get our answer here sooner rather than later. Have a happy Thanksgiving, my friend. We talked about it the other night. Jerry does the carving station. He's got the beer on tap for the yep. post game. He, he, he goes the whole nine yards. And I, so, so you're going to do two Thanksgivings, right? You'll do the, the work Thanksgiving Thursday with Jerry. And then on Friday, when you come back home, you'll do the family Thanksgiving, right? Uh, not quite. You know, life is, uh, you're, you're busy. I got a, a different family event that is already scheduled for Friday. So we're trying to pack it in. Little ones under the weather. So oh. who knows if the wife's even going to go to Thanksgiving we got a lot of moving parts over here. And by the way, Phil Lundy, yeah. if he's out there, he's a, he's a really a lawyer. He is a real lawyer. <laughs> See that? You... I know Phil Lundy. There you go. <laughs> so you kill two birds with one stone on that one. Football, and then you got the legal system taken care of. Well, regardless, Jordan, have a great Thanksgiving, buddy, and uh, enjoy the trip to Dallas, and we'll talk again next week. All right, sounds good, Dan. Have a, have a great Thanksgiving, man. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. There's Jordan Renan, covers the Giants for ESPN. Look, this is a, this is a tall order for the Giants on Thursday. I, I know it's the NFL, and I know that the Giants have surprised us more than one time this year. Forget about the point spread. I would be stunned if they win this game on Sunday, or on, on Thursday. Be absolutely stunned. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You know, think about the Giants is, and I know that I guess Don said yesterday, because he and I were talking, that he doesn't think the Giants are going to win another game this year. And, you know, it's he, he's entitled to that belief, of course. I don't know if I read too much into just the one game, the one poor performance like you had on Sunday against the Lions. Like that one... And I know it's wrong, but why should the Giants be immune from falling victim to the trap, right? You, uh, that had trap game written all over it. And I know the Lions won three in a row, but the Lions aren't that good. You know, the Giants went out there, and, and the minute they faced adversity in that football game, like I just got done saying to Jordan, the minute they faced adversity, they packed it in. They couldn't get up off the mat. It's like they took their first punch, and then they could not recover. It staggered them, and they could not get their bearings back again. Hutchinson picks off Daniel Jones. Giants were moving the football pretty good up until that point. Throws the INT. Lions take it into the end zone. Next possession, Lions into the end zone. And then it was game, set, match. And there was still a lot of football to be played. And the Giants have been this resilient team all year. You know, they find themselves in close games. They find themselves in one-score games all the time. And they've had the answers the majority of this season. So you know what? They couldn't pull it out this week. Just because the Lions are a bad team, I mean, it's going to happen. Hey, the same thing happened out in Seattle, right? Made a couple of mistakes. Richie James, careless with the football. They lose to the Seahawks. But we've counted this team out a lot this year. And they found a way to answer. And wouldn't it be the perfect opportunity to do that on Thursday? Right? Against the team that's coming off Arguably their best performance of the season and what they did to the Vikings. On the road, short week, injuries galore. Nobody's given them a chance to win. I'm not writing the Giants' season off yet just because they couldn't beat the Lions at home. I'm not. Just because they have injuries. And look, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Hindsight 2020, anytime you lose a valuable player, it stinks. The Adoree Jackson one stinks. And he was on a punt return. And that's where he goes down. Like, that is not his M.O. That is not what you signed him to do. But Brian Dayball, if you know anything about where he comes from and how he coaches, and I, I brought it up to Jordan. You know, he was at the Bill Belichick School of Coaching for a while. Bill Belichick plays his starters. I don't care who you are. Valuable players. He used to have Teddy Bruschi on special teams all the time. When, when Bruschi was one of their valuable players on, on, on you know, a Super Bowl dynasty. He didn't care. He didn't care what the score was. I mean, I remember they were up by, you know, two touchdowns with, you know, two minutes left in the game, and he still had his starters out there. 
on kick coverage. Totally unnecessary, but Brian Dayball apparently feels exactly the same way. Put your best guys out there, regardless. And injuries are a part of the game, and it came back to bite him. And the problem is, is eventually you're going to run out of depth. Eventually you're going to run out of guys that are going to be able to help you. And you hope that the Giants haven't reached that point now, but I don't think they're finished yet. Like, we have not heard the last of the New York Giants in 2022. Because this NFC is not all that good. It isn't. You know, from where I'm sitting right now, you've got one, two, three, four. I guess you got to say eight teams for seven playoff spots. And one of the teams I guess we throw into the mix from the last time we did this exercise is you say Washington. You know, they've caught fire here with Taylor Heineke. The guys in that locker room believe in them. You know, Washington started off the year, what, one in four. And they've now won five out of the last six. And they got a winning record. And you know what? You got a winning record 11 games into the season. You should be taken seriously, at least for a playoff spot. So, Giants aren't done, but the Giants are still in a good spot. Is this a tough one this week? Absolutely. But these are also, it's a critical part of the schedule because this begins four straight in the division. And the Giants haven't played a lot of division games this year. As a matter of fact, Giants, this is only going to be their second division game. Just that one against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football way back when, that was the only time they played an NFC East club. So you're going to have Cowboys, Washington, Philly, Washington in the next four. What would you sign for as a Giant fan in these next four games? Believe it or not, I would say just don't lose them all. I know you want to get a little bit greedy, but I say just don't lose them all. Because if you go one and three, that'll put you at eight and six with three games to play. Would you take that as a Giant fan? I would. I would. It's maybe not where you want it to be, and maybe not where you were. It's at seven and two, you're not thinking, oh, we're going to be eight and six. Because you expected to beat the Detroit Lions. But that didn't happen. Now you got to go to Dallas. Tough game. I think you got to hope you split with Washington. And that Philadelphia game is going to be tough, but you never know. You know, going to Minnesota, it's a tough place to play, but they're beatable. And then Indianapolis back at home, I mean, that's a winnable game for you. And then you go to Philly in week seven or week 18 or whatever, the final game of the season. You don't know what game what that game means for Philadelphia. Eagles might have already think, have everything clinched already, and they decide to rest starters, and you might be facing backup quarterbacks and, and all that stuff. But this one will be tough on Thursday. And I think if you're the Giants, I think you have to start to look big picture for this season. Whatever we want to talk about and speculate how the rest of the year is going to go, you need to start getting some of these bodies back. You know, you got to start getting healthy because smoke and mirrors is only going to last you for so long. You're going to line up in December like you, you got to have some healthy bodies here, not just a bunch of guys off the scrap heap. You're not going to be that fortunate. So the Giants could still make the playoffs. One game should not dash their dreams and everything that they've worked for so far this season. And I'm still sticking to what I said even before this past weekend. I think it would be a major disappointment if both the Jets and the Giants don't find themselves in the playoffs this year. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Speaking of Giants, Aaron Judge going to be a Giant, but the baseball ones. We'll get into that, plus your football calls. Dan Gross' show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. 
You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Judge was captured in the day of the video on the phones like we all have now, modern technology. You can't go anywhere without somebody snapping your picture, taking a video. Aaron Judge shows up in San Francisco. What is he doing in San Francisco? Well, you know, let's ask him. Aaron Judge in San Francisco, what are you doing in the city? <laughs> just visiting some family and friends. That's about it. That's about it. Oh, yeah? Any fun plans? You got something. Have a good one. You too. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Judge in San Francisco. What does that mean? Relax. I Look. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Judge has afforded this opportunity, right? He's been afforded this chance. He played his contract out. He bet on himself. And now he's got an opportunity to welcome all of the suitors. All of the oncomers, whatever they want to pay him, whatever they're willing to offer to pay him, you know what? He should listen. He should sit down. That's how this thing works. That's how this game called free agency works. Do I think push comes to shove, he's leaving the Yankees? No, but, but, Giants could pay him. Giants have the wherewithal. The Giants do not have a lot of money committed down the road. And maybe they haven't been big spenders recently. Because remember, they got Farhan. He's running the show out there. Comes from the Dodgers. Where, yeah, I know the Dodgers are big spenders and everything, but Farhan is very analytically driven. You know, working under Andrew Friedman out there. Andrew Friedman came from Tampa Bay. But they will spend when the opportunity strikes. They have proven that in the past. And so that's something that I think the Yankees need to be a little bit weary of. The whole Mets thing, that's not happening. You know, Judge isn't going to the Mets. And by the way, Major League Baseball said that there was no collusion in that report that the Yankees and the Mets and Hal Steinbrenner and Steve Cohen, you know, had the handshake agreement that they're not going to pursue each other's big ticket free agents. So no collusion there with major, uh, according to Major League Baseball. Not that there was really any concern. But I think this thing, as I keep saying, I I believe this is going to be wrapped up sooner rather than later when it comes to Aaron Judge. I don't think this is going to drag on into the new year. Certainly by the time the holidays roll around, I think you're going to know where Judge is. I think you're going to know where DeGrom is. They're both going to have their name put on paper, sign the new contract. And you know what? For us in this town, you hope that neither one of them leaves, to be quite honest with you. Now, the guy that I'm pessimistic about sticking around in terms of, like, you know, big name free agents, I, I think Nimmo's gone. You know, everything I'm hearing, there's a lot more suitors for him maybe than are even being reported. And why the hell there wouldn't be? He's had a, he had a great year. He's really made himself into an invaluable player, if you ask me. And I was never really a big Nimmo guy for the first few seasons of his career. But he's somebody that grew on me. And you hate to lose him, but he's going to get paid. You know, Nimmo's going to easily get over $100 million from somebody. And not to say the Mets can't afford it, but I just think if you're talking about bringing back the pitching and you're trying to pay DeGrom 
And then you got to go get these other pitchers because the Mets don't have much of a rotation right now or bullpen. They got to go shopping. You know, they got some work to do. And that Steve Cohen money, it only stretches so far. And oh, by the way, you can't just sit around and wait either for one guy to make a decision. You got to go and act and start to get some guys that you want who weren't even on your team last year. That's the challenge of it. 800-919-3776. Let's say hi to Kevin. He's in Oyster Bay. He's up next year on 98.7. Kevin, how are you? Damn, I'm doing great. And I, you're doing great. And um, one little side note before we get to the meat and potatoes. Yeah. I think when, when Marcus Jones was around approaching the 30-yard line, Joe Beningo wanted to call it a heck of a rest. But anyway, on a serious side, first let's look at Judge before we get to the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, Yankees made three mistakes this this year during the season. First one was the contract that they offered this guy just before the season started. It was a joke. You got to come up with Harper money, like over three hundred million. You can't come in with two hundred million because that's that's a mistake. Arbitration. The Yankees made themselves like a bunch of slobs. Why fight with the guy over a million bucks? Give him what is what he wants. Stay on his good side. Doesn't mean anything, but at least stay on his good side. And here's the one, folks, you haven't heard yet. You can hear it right now. The guy who caught number sixty-two, how should have been right at his hotel room, giving him the check. Give me the baseball, and then delivering to him, and him and Brian deliver it to uh, Judge's house, singing Christmas carols. That, but do you, think, but do you th- think Judge really cares about that? Because Judge said all the right things. He's like, you know what? As soon as it's gone, it's a collectible for somebody else. It's not mine anymore. That's what yeah, Judge said. Yeah, but he said other things too, like you know, it's my home run and stuff. I think in, in ten years, in twenty years, you'll see Judge on eBay selling those baseballs. He'll be broke, right? <laughs> But um, the thing is, and that was the mistakes, but the thing now is Judge has to sit back if he's smart. Uh, let me see what the Grom gets for, per year. I know it's not – you'll say don't compare. Yes, salaries mean something with pitches. It maybe might be a short-term deal for the Grom. I want to see what this guy gets because now it's his turn to step up to the plate and get the big contract. You can't go about past contracts, and you can't give a guy, offer a guy less money than a previous contract. Come on. That's becoming that's, – that's, they might say that's sloppy. No, but he's going to – but Kevin, okay, he's, me, Kevin, he's going to get – Judge is going to get over $40 million a year at AAV. Now, the, diff, the trick with Judge is he's going to get his money per year. The thing is going to be how many years does he get, though? He wants security. Every player wants the security because it's baseball. You get a guaranteed contract. But judge, because of his age, are teams going to be willing to go, let's say, more than eight years? Will one team blow him out of the water more than eight years with an offer? Well, you, you got 30 teams, and there's always a chance that one or two owners will do it. And they will, and you will be an owner that will do it and will force Steinbrenner's hand but this, this, when it comes to that, when it comes to negotiations like that, let's face it, this is entertainment, and I just say break open the saddlebags. Seven years means nothing. They're just You might say, oh, he'll be older at the time. But listen, what kind of damage can he do in the first five years? You might get a championship or two out of him. Then it's worth the investment. And then again, we don't know what these teams are bringing in revenue-wise. We might hear little jingles here and jingles there. But listen, if they're bringing in this certain amount of money, then maybe that $40 million looks like chump change. We don't know until we hear what they're making, okay? And the thing is also with the Yankees and Mets, 
always been a gentleman's agreement. Of course, you can't say it, but they, they never went after each other's big free agents. I mean, I can make a joke. The Mets really didn't have any big stars for the Yankees to go after, and the Mets didn't have any money to go after the Yankee stars. But it's always been that way with these teams. But the bottom line is, Judge, if he plays it right, he's right now in the driver's seat. Don't tell me about previous contracts. This is a new, this is a new time. He's at the plate, and here come the new contracts now. Now, as far as the Giants are concerned, right, uh, Barkley, uh, let's face it, a fact, if you're a one-dimensional offense and you just keep going to one guy, the, the other teams are going to start keying on this guy. They'll put a monster. They'll put two monster men on him and try to stop him. The good teams with good coaches could possibly pull it off. The bad teams, I mean, I don't care who you bring in. They're not going to pull nothing off. We know that. But you got you can't have a one-dimensional offense in the, in the NFL. You cannot have a team where – you know, you're not passing that good. Jets have that same problem. How do you come back late in the game if you're down by two touchdowns? You know, you're going to keep running the ball. You run the clock out, too, at the same time. So, go ahead. You're going to say something? No, I was gonna, what I was going to say, Kevin, I, I got to run here, but thanks for the phone call. The problem with the Giants is twofold. Number one, yes, the opposing teams know that Saquon Barkley is the engine for the offense that makes it go. Number two, when you're losing offensive linemen left and right, like we were talking about with Jordan, that just makes the job even harder because if you're not going to be able to block up front, you're going to put eight guys in the box if you're the opposing defense, dare them to throw the ball, and then that puts more pressure on your quarterback. And, oh, by the way, he's got a depleted wide receiving core. And your number one tight end, who's also down for the count in Bellinger. So it's just they are literally patching this thing together with scotch tape if you're the Giants right now offensively. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Jason's in New York. He's up next. Jason, how are you? Dan, doing well. How you doing, bro? Good, Jay. What's going on with you? Talk to me. Listen, I love calling you because uh, you keep it straight and you don't get emotional. All right. I want to base my question and my point on an assumption. Can you help me with that? I'm already getting emotional, though. I just got to let you know. <laughs> like you're awesome. Listen, I think, and you can degree, uh, disagree on terms with me, but I think this kid lost the locker room. I think that a 22-year-old can't look a grown man and throw his defense, who, by the way, this unit is Super Bowl caliber quality, and throw them under the bus. I think he lost this locker room, and I'm not sure he's got a career with the Jets. So I want to base my question to you on that assumption. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we can disagree with that, but that's what I want to do. Being the case, because you know Joe Douglas and Salah, they're both coaching for their careers and their lives, their mortgages, their lives, uh, their, uh, everything they're doing with the Jets. If you have to walk off Zach Wilson right now, and you know this because he lost his locker room, what do you think the Jets need to do to set themselves up to get the next quarterback, whether it be Jimmy G or get Jared Goff or whoever we can get to have a competent quarterback play to take a Super Bowl caliber unit to compete in the playoffs. I, I, I don't think this kid is the, is the future. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand your question when you said, like, what do you think the Jets have to do? I mean, as far as the remaining seven weeks of the season goes, they can't do anything other than decide which of the three quarterbacks that are on the roster now are going to play the remaining games of the season. The offseason is a different question altogether. If they get – let's just role play for a second. Let's assume yep. that the year ends and they feel – that Zach is not the guy, okay? 
they're probably in a position to maybe you pick up the phone or maybe they receive phone calls. Maybe another team wants to take him off their hands and uh, a change of scenery they think will benefit him or something along those lines. Or, as I said a little bit earlier, and I've been saying, I'm pretty convinced that you bring Zach back next year, but you also bring in a veteran. And you're bringing in that veteran to where it's going to be an honest quarterback competition. Now, if you go spend huge money and sign Jimmy Garoppolo or something, then you know that he's your guy. But if you don't go in that direction, there's going to be another veteran in here who probably has a decent shot of winning the job because, as you said, Jason, the roster will be good enough to be a playoff team and then some certainly next year. Right. I agree. And and my concern here is that the Jets, same old Jets, would waste this this kind of a unit we would just mire in mediocrity for a couple of years and then we can't afford to pay all these cats we lose sauce we lose uh dj we lose quinnon and then we're here with incompetent quarterback play i'm saying cut your losses put a real competition on this kid because as far as i'm concerned new york is new york man we're not special we're not above and beyond but we're blue collar we're hard working and we sniff out bs and i'm saying i think this kid lost a locker room and uh, as far as like the veteran if, if we're picking a veteran next year and saying he's not going to be on the uh, he's not the jets future mm-hmm. and it is a quarterback competition who are you picking tell me as a jets fan who is dying right now who do you think dan we, we, we could say look go after this cat because i think if you well, put him in this room with this team they can compete jay the natural fit to me and i thank you for the phone call but it's going to cost you is Jimmy G. And I'm not sitting here trying to tell you he's Joe Montana. I'm not sitting here, sitting here telling you he's Patrick Mahomes. But Jimmy Garoppolo, damn it, is a winner. Look at his entire career. The guy, he already took the Niners to the Super Bowl. Damn near almost got him to the Super Bowl last year. And if you're asking me right now who's the team that could come out of the NFC, if I'm putting all my money at the middle of the table, I'm thinking it's the 49ers. And he's going to be at the helm of that team again. So maybe San Francisco doesn't let him out of their grasp. It's going to cost them. And that's a decision they got to make. But if he's available, and if you got the cap space, with a ready-to-made-win roster, similar system, how is he not the ideal fit, right? But you got to get there first. Let's get through this season first and see what happens over the next seven weeks, and you hope even more. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>